Now, if we can only figure out who got hit by a car, <laughs> we can figure out, you know. <laughs> amen. Thank you so much for that. Hallelujah. If you, amen. Give the Lord praise. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to read from Acts chapter 9, verse 4, and I'll try and be as brief as possible today. We had a lot going on so far. Acts chapter 9, verse 4, and I'll, I'll read it from the New International Version. Uh, and amen, you have it there on the board. It says this, He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that as I read these words, that you would speak to me and to us, Lord God, about what it is that was taking place at that time. Reveal to us, my God, what it means to us today so that we might be the people you've called us to be. We thank you for your word. I just ask for your blessing, your presence here this morning. In Jesus' name, God's people say, amen. amen. So, so this is a story of Saul's conversion. Saul, he, he, before his name was changed to Paul, uh, he was Saul. And he was living a life that was totally opposite uh, of the life that God called him for. Totally opposite of the man that we have come to know him to be. Uh, we read about him in the Bible. Uh, we learn about his life, his teaching. We read so much of the New Testament uh, he wrote. Uh, and so we, we're able to see that he was a man of great faith, a man of love, but he wasn't always like that. And, and this is kind of our theme for the year is, is finding that place. What is your calling, your ultimate calling, your contribution to the world? What has God called you to do or gifted you to do? And for us to be on a journey to discover what that is. And the first step for that is... is we got to be free and detangle ourselves from the stuff that we got all hung up in uh, to get us to where we are today. And so when you look at Paul's life or, or Saul at the time, he was he was a mess. His life was a mess. He was a murderer. The Bible tells us he was a destroyer of Christian homes, Christian families. He scattered believers all across uh, the, 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 the countryside of Palestine. And this, it was not only his job to capture and to convict Christians, it was his job that once they were convicted and executed to death to make sure that they were actually dead. So he was bad news for the church. Paul was bad news. And he, but he had an encounter with Jesus. Praise the Lord. He had come to a point where he met Jesus. And that's what this story is talking about. This story is a story of his encounter with, with Christ. And as you read the story, it's easy to imagine when you get to this point, and I want to read this verse and just kind of kind of just set the scene a little bit. When, when you get to this point, it's almost as if you can imagine that this is the first encounter that he has with Jesus. That it was a one-time deal, that he is there on the road and bam, Jesus knocks him to the ground. And from there on the ground, he, he heard this voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? But those words, just that alone tells you that this has been an ongoing struggle in Paul's life, in Saul's life, in the life of Christ. Why are you persecuting me is what Jesus said to him. It was the Lord that he was, uh, that, that was speaking to, to Saul. 
So this was not the only encounter. There had been other encounters, other times when Jesus tried to reach him, when he was persecuting Christians and he was dragging them off to be uh, you know, put on trial or executed, when he was separating families, Jesus was calling out to Saul, knocking on the door of his heart. And, he's, and, and here, fed up after all of these times that, uh, that, that Paul was persecuting individuals, Jesus finally speaks out, why are you persecuting me? Here's this man that's caught up in his old ways. And Jesus is trying to reach him. One of the times that, that Jesus tried to reach him, perhaps even the first time, was when he captured that man by the name of Stephen. And Stephen was a powerful witness for the Lord. The Jewish leaders heard him speaking. They saw the miracles. The Bible says he did miracles among people. He was an evangelist. And he was sharing a message once, and Paul heard him speak. Powerful message. And it was so powerful that the Bible says that it cut them to the heart, that they were convicted. Powerful message. And this was at a trial. He was trying to, to save his life and, and explain what, uh, why he was doing what he was doing. The Bible says that they were so furious when they heard what he had to say to them that they decided to kill him. And Saul was there. Saul was there. It was Saul who confirmed that he was dead. How he did it, I don't know. Whether he checked his pulse or whether he delivered the final blow to make sure that he was dead, Saul was there. And, and, and from that time, day after day, moment after moment, Jesus began to hound him. Jesus began to call out to him, to speak to his heart, prodding his heart with thoughts, with dreams. He, he pursued him. Things that he read, things that he saw would remind him. And he would get this uneasy feeling uh, like, like Jesus is, is just really calling and, and seeking and, and tugging at his heart, tugging at his heart. The, the memories, the thoughts would come up, dreams about it. One of the attributes of God that's rarely talked about is this idea of patience. That over all this time, as he's continuing, Saul is continuing to harass people and uh, convict them of, of crimes that they didn't do, God has been patient with Saul, patient with him, waiting for him to hear those voices, to respond to the dreams, the, the words that he's speaking to him. And, and there's no Hebrew word or Greek word that captures the concept of patience. That's an English word, patience. And so the closest that there is in that language in Hebrew or, or Greek that corresponds to patience is this word long-suffering. Long-suffering, which literally, literally it, it means to, to, uh, to, uh, to take a long time before there's any hostility. That time has to go by, like slow to boil. Like some of us, it's the opposite of being hasty, hello, or, or quick-tempered. It's that you are able to suffer a long time before you respond. And so it was Jesus himself who was wounded by Paul's crazy lifestyle. The way that he lived hurt people. The way that he lived brought stress in the lives of people. The way that he lived, he was a violent persecutor and it affected people. 
And not only did it affect the people, Jesus says, man, you're persecuting me, but I can deal with it for a long time. I'll let you act a fool. I will let you uh, be crazy in your lifestyle, do the things that you do, hurt people, disappoint people, and I can deal with it for a long time. I'll give you slack, I'll give you slack, but at some point the slack runs out. It runs out. Slow to boil, right? It was Jesus that he was wounding. It was Jesus. So Jesus called out to Saul from heaven. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And this went on for some time. If somebody bothers you, I'm sure there's a response, right? They keep hounding you. They keep hounding you. There's a response. Very few of us would allow somebody to, on, to just to on, uh, you know, go on and on uh, to harass them continuously. We, we put a stop to it, however that might happen. But Saul had been persecuting the church for years, going door to door, searching for Christians. And when he found them, he would drag them off to jail. And Jesus was there with those believers. Uh, like Pastor Jerry mentioned a moment ago, he is there where there were two or more gathered together. He is there in the midst of them. He would, Saul would come and interrupt those times of fellowship, interrupting those times of worship, breaking up families. This is what he did. This was his custom. This is what he did. Door to door, searching for Christians, looking for those that they could kill in front of their family members, stoned to death. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, it tells us that love is patient. You know, and God is there. And you think about Paul. This is the journey of his life. Paul is, uh, is, is, is harassing people and hurting people. And God is there from heaven, looking at him, patient, waiting, long-suffering. Every, every action of his life is hurting God, is hurting Christ. And so when Paul, it was Paul who says that love is patient. There's that word again, that idea of patience. In the original language, uh, the love that Paul was describing was the capacity to suffer a lot. Love suffers a whole lot and is still able to love. God is putting up with his craziness. God is putting up with his, with his hard-headedness. God is putting up with his rebellion. Love is willing to wait and still love. Love is willing to just to put off the wrath, to put off the anger, willing to put up with our issues, to suspend retaliation for now. I'll let you go and I'll let you go and I'll let you go and I'll try to remind you that I love you and I'll give you the slack as much as you need to turn your life around. And that's how he loved Paul. He gave Paul the room, to, to, the space to, to change his mind, to change his life. But in the meantime, he hurt people. In the meantime, he destroyed lives. This is patience. Man, this is some heavy patience. In Acts chapter 26, verse 14, Paul is telling this event, the same story, to one of the governors. And he's talking about his conversion. And he mentions something else that Jesus said to him on this encounter that he doesn't mention in Acts chapter 9. In Acts chapter, chapter 26, he says that Jesus spoke these words. He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. It is hard for you to kick against the goad. And a goad is a cattle prod. 
A goad is a stick with a pointed tip that you, that you prod the cattle when they're, when they're not going on the direction they're supposed to go. And they stop to, to, to eat some grass or you prod them. No, it's not time to stop. Keep going. We, we have a destination ahead. That's what a, what a goad is. Jesus said to him, it's hard for you to kick against the goads. Man, I've been prodding you in your life. I've been trying to get your attention all your life. You've been kicking against my direction, kicking against the words that I've been speaking, kicking against the dreams, kicking against all of my, my, my efforts at trying to get you to the place that I've called you to be. Jesus had been prodding him, trying to direct him, yet he tried to silence God's voice by more persecutions, more nonsense more time-consuming activities, whatever they may have been. God could have taken him out the first day. It would have been easy for God just to take out Saul the first day, but he was patient. He could have taken him out the next day, the next week, but he was patient. And days went by, years went by, and God tolerated Paul's lifestyle. He tolerated his choices, the decisions that he made that impacted families. God tolerated those things. He allowed those things to happen, and these things are happening to people that God loves. The Bible says that he lives among those that obey the commandments of God. God lived with them and loved them. There were peaceful homes, peaceful relationships, loving relationships that, that were destroyed and disrupted, that God was there. And they were disrupted because of Paul's foolish choices in life. He, he made choices and he was so hard-headed that he continued in his life, hurting people, making life miserable for people. God lived with those people. He lived in and among those people, but God was patient and he gave Paul time, a little more slack, another day, another year, how long can you get away with what you're doing? How long can we get away with what we're doing? How long will it be before God finally has enough where at some point where we run out of slack? God is patient. My prayer and my, my hope this year is that we really truly find our calling because God may be patient with us. He may be patient waiting for us, knocking, okay, today, maybe today, Maybe today, all of those things in your past, all of those thoughts and those weird dreams and those incidences that happened, tragic, you know, some tragic, some, you know, just strange, and you're wondering, trying to connect the dots. Maybe today you'll hear what I'm trying to say to you. Why do you persecute me? Why do you make it difficult for the, those that I love? Why do, you, why do you create these circumstances that are, that are painful for other people. This is, this is our prayer for this year, that we find our calling. So we've started this journey by first taking the time to think about what does it mean to be free? We gotta be free. If we're gonna ever make it to the point that God has called us to, we gotta free ourselves of the stuff that entangles us in the first place, to loosen the grip that our former lifestyle had on us. And sometimes that grip is so deep, so difficult, that it takes a whole lot for us to break free because we think the same and we use the same language and we act the same way. We need to be delivered. We need to be set free in order to get to the place that God has called us to. But most people 
who have not come to know God have no idea that God has a plan for their lives. They have no idea that there's something more. They, they, they live totally oblivious to God's plan, to God's morality, to God's call of something greater, something higher, something better. And the words that we speak and the choices that we make might offend him in every way possible. We do the things that are not in line with God's purpose. Yet God is patient and God is long suffering, slow to boil. He doesn't boil overnight. He doesn't get angry in an instant. This is exactly why Jesus said what he said. Saul, Saul, man, why do you persecute me? Why are you constantly harassing me? Why do you do the things that you're doing? Man, I'm doing good things in your city. I'm doing good things in the lives of people and you come and mess it up. Man, you, you know, this person is happy, having a blessed day and you come and mess it up. Saul, you're persecuting me. Saul, you're hurting me. How long will I put up with it? Man, that's some patience on, on the part of the Lord. Ever since Stephen preached that message, Jesus had been trying to reach him, prodding his heart. Ever since he preached that message, Jesus had been calling out to him, showing up in circumstances, showing up in dreams, in, in thoughts. You know, and, and, you know, he'd wake up at night, nightmares or whatever. He thought it was the Christmas tamales. No, it was Jesus trying to reach you, trying to speak to your heart, trying to, trying to get you to change your ways. I've seen times in, in the lives of people where like little things, man, little things where it just finally clicks and man, you know what? God has been trying to reach me all this time. This happened and they begin to connect the dots and see that he has been walking with me my entire life, right? God sending those unanticipated thoughts, thoughts that just come out of nowhere or people unexpectedly into our lives. And in some cases, a, a tragedy, not to hurt us, but to reach us. And all the while, he's patient. God is patient. He gives us time to untangle the mess that we've created, right? Time to straighten up our, our life, right? And sometimes, in some instances, years will go by or decades go by. In fact, some will wait to the very end of their lives. I don't know how many times I've sat there next to someone in the hospital at the very end of their lives and they're asking for forgiveness. They're asking for forgiveness. Man, God is patient. Thank God for his patience. Thank God for his long suffering. We don't take it for granted. Don't, don't ever think that, oh, you know, man, praise God, he's patient. Man, I can just kind of live the way I want. I can be wild and crazy. And right before I die, just forgive me, Lord. Bam, boom, you know, I'll be all right. And I don't think it works that way. In the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, after Moses had broken the two stone tablets that contained the Ten Commandments, remember, God wrote on these tablets and he carried them down to the people and he saw the people acting crazy and, and Moses didn't have patience and he threw the tablets down and broke them. So he goes back to the presence of God and God rewrote the commandments on new tablets and then God passed in front of Moses. And I think this is it's a fascinating story because after Moses lost his patience with the people, God wanted to show him something. He wrote the, 
ta- the, the Ten Commandments out again. And then he said this when he walked in front of Moses. He says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents to the third and fourth generation. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul is talking to Timothy the same Paul, the same Saul that Jesus reached on that road. And, and this is when Timothy was, was doubting whether or not he can, you know, preach to the people in his church. He's, I'm too young. I've got these issues, whatever it is. And he says, no, listen, Paul tells him this. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor, and a violent man. I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. And then in verse 16 of 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says this, but for that very reason I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Blasphemy, they say, is the unpardonable sin. When you blaspheme and you say to God and you attribute God's good character and good nature and you say something evil of God or to speak of Christ that way or the Holy Spirit, God forbid, and you say that the Holy Spirit is evil and you speak in in evil, this is what he did. He says, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor and a violent man but he saw fit to have mercy. He was patient with me in all of my blasphemy. It hurt God, man, it hurt him bad. It hurt him to see the people that I was hurting, mistreating. It hurts him to see wives mistreated, kids ignored. It hurts him to see us abusing ourselves, missing the mark, living in ways and and saying the kinds of things, thinking the things and doing the things that people often do. It hurts God. And he is patient. He was patient with Saul. And I guarantee you, all in all of his life activities, Saul had no idea that God expected more from him. Just as there are many people who don't realize that God has more for you, I guarantee you that he was certain as he looked at himself, as Saul looked at himself, that this is me, man. This is who I am and I'll never change. I can't change. This is who I am, and this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. He didn't know the possibilities, the vast possibilities that God had for his life. The things that are unseen, and and, man, the Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard what God has prepared for those who love him. And, And thank God he reveals those things later because he would not have imagined the great things that God had for him. No way to imagine what God wants to do with our lives. When we surrender our lives to him. The Lord had plans for this man. On a daily basis, he had plans for him. And he reached out to him. The man who put countless Christians to death, who destroyed many lives. If God was patient enough to save Paul, he is patient enough to wait 
for you and for me. He is patient. And, and today should be the day that we realize, you know what, man, God has been waiting for me for a long time. God has been waiting for me to, to, to put aside the nonsense and the violence, right? If he's, if he's patient enough for Paul, he's definitely patient enough for me. Imagine what he can do. Imagine what he can do in your cousin's life, in your friend's life, your uncle, right? Your children, your son and your daughter, the person that you've prayed for who seems to be stuck in life. If he can do this in Saul's life, imagine what he can do in the person you've been praying for. That God has plans for them. God has desires to do things. Why do you think they're still alive? Why do you think there's still breath in their lungs? There is a plan, there's a purpose, and I am waiting patiently for them to stop abusing themselves, stop hurting others, stop persecuting me. This is proof that he can have Mercy on the worst of us. Paul says, man, I was the worst of sinners. So if you were to read this story, and I encourage you to read this story. Man, read all of Acts. If you have the time, just sit down and take, take the hour too that just to read through the story. If you were to read the story, you find that in an instant, Paul's life was changed. All of his anger, all of his rage, all of the things that just was a part of who he was, the things he could not escape, all of that aggression vanished and was gone in an instant when Christ came into his life. God changed his life. And now he's a blessing to the same people he once tried to destroy. More people. He has touched more people. Man, in fact, he's still speaking through the words of the New Testament. A man who tried to, to, to put a stop to the church. A man who put people to death. He is now in heaven celebrating, worshiping with Christ. Right there with the people that he sent there. You know, man, wasn't that you? No, I, you know, we're in heaven now, you know. Right? Right there worshiping the Lord with those that he sent there. The Lord did this as an example of what he's able to do for the worst of us. He is patient. Do you know somebody like this? Do you know anybody like this that just kind of needs a little patience? That, that rubs off a little, you know, they're, they're abrasive, they're difficult, hard to live with? This is who God is. This is who God is. This is how he has chosen to reveal himself. He is patient. He is patient with that person just as he is patient with me and with you. You know, what, what brought me to this story years ago, when I first got saved, I'll tell you this and we'll close. When I, when I first got saved, there's a guy, and I told the story many times, a guy who told me, man, if, if I'm, unless I, uh, you know, am, am born again, that I'm gonna go to hell, he told me that. Man, it, that was it for me. That guy, after I, after I gave my life to the Lord, uh, you know, we were working together and he, he started discipling me. I said, man, I want to know Christ. I want to give my life to the Lord and serve Christ. So we went together, and uh, we would, uh, he would disciple me. We'd sit, and he would teach me the Bible. And I was like a, a sponge, but I was just soaking it in. And it was just him and I. I didn't have a church. All I had was this guy. His, his name was Paul. And he would tell me about the scriptures, tell me about the Bible, and teach me things. And, and I, was, I was soaking it in. I was reading my Bible every day. Then one, one time, one of those meetings, he came to me and he said, hey, hey, Kevin, uh, yeah, you know what? Um, 
man, pray for me. My girlfriend is pregnant. I'm like, what? And I'm like, you know, and I thought, man, I'm living better than this guy. This guy's teaching me. I'm living better than him, you know? And, and it just blew me away. That was an opportunity for me to say, oh, this Christian, Christianity stuff is, oh, that's, that's whack, you know? Let me, let me just go, you know, I, I knew it, you know, or I, I could have said all kinds of things. I could have walked away from the church. But I continued to be faithful to Jesus, to Jesus. And then later, a guy saw me reading my Bible, and he says, hey, what church do you go to? Oh, I don't have a church. Well, why don't you come to church with me? Oh, what church do you go to? Well, I go to Victory Outreach. Amen. Praise the Lord. Man, I'll go to church with you. So I went. Amen. And he started discipling me and helping me. And his name was Robert. And we would sit down and read the Bible together. And, and I, I was learning from him and, and learning from him. And then he said, hey, you know what? Pray for me. My girlfriend is pregnant. <laughs> what? You know, and I'm like, you know, and I did things right. I, got, I, I was married to my wife, Debbie. We had gotten married. And I'm like, man, I'm living better than this guy, too. <laughs> you know? And, and, and like, it, like the roles changed, and we started counseling him, you know, and, and we were the new guys on the, we were the new kids on the block, you know, three months saved, and here we are like, you know, brother, you know, you got to do this, teaching him. And then, and so finally, you know, I, they kind of faded out, and there was another guy, a guy by the name of Kirby, man, him and, man, this guy was, uh, he talked real slow, you see, brother Kevin, you got to love Jesus. And he would talk like it real slow, and he'd get real close to you. And I'm like, brother, you know, I can hear you, man. But he would disciple me and would speak, you know, about, you know, Jesus. And he would come, he had a big mustache and a Pendleton, and he would, brother, come here, let me talk to you. <laughs> yeah, listen, 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 sit down over there. I'll sit right here. You just tell me what. But no, but he would, this guy would, you know, share the gospel and, and disciple him and his wife with Debbie and I until he beat up his wife. And I thought, man, I'm living better than him. How is it that with all of these encounters, I have an opportunity to say that, you know what, God isn't here. I have an opportunity to walk away. And I thought about it and I said, you know what, God was patient with those individuals. And he was patient with me. That in my craziness, and in my lack of responsibility, that God loved me enough to put people in my life, broken people, incomplete people, to show me exactly how broken and incomplete I was, and that God was willing to love me in my broken and incompleteness. Second Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God is patient, long-suffering. He'll put up with us for a long, long time. But you know what? There are times when the slack runs out and time runs out for us. We need to respond to God's love today while it's still today because tomorrow's not promised to anybody. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? And I'd like to say a word of prayer for us. Hallelujah.
Father God, we come before you this morning as we think about your capacity to put up with us those things in our lives that that are not from you, Lord God. They're the carryover from a lifestyle that we lived, whether it's anger, whether it's ways that we hurt ourselves, ways that we abuse ourselves or others, whether it's a hard-headedness or hard-heartedness, difficulty in, in our lives, abrasiveness, self-centeredness, lack of commitment or loyalty to you and the things of God, laziness, whatever it may be, whatever it may be, Father God, I thank you for your patience. I thank you that you suffer long, that you suffer long for, for me and my sake and for others and their sake. Well, you, you suffer long, you put up with us and you give us time to grow into the faith that you've delivered to us. You, you give us time to grow into the people that you've called us to be. I pray this morning, Father God, that we would respond to you in a way, my God, that allows us to become just that much closer to the calling that you have for each of us in our lives. To put away the past, to put away the the fallenness, the brokenness, the incompleteness, and to begin to grow up and mature. You are patient with us. And Lord, we thank you for that. Now we pray your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, if, if God has spoken to you in some way, perhaps for yourself or maybe for those that you've been praying for, I know that we pray for people there are people that we, we love and we know and we pray for that seem like it will take a miracle for them, a miracle for them to come to Christ because they seem so far, so far out there, so far gone. But God is patient. His, his, his ability to suffer long, his ability to suffer long is so great that he is willing to wait until that person is at the right place. And so if God has spoken to you, why don't you come? Let's come, let's humble our hearts before the Lord. Let's say to God this morning, God, I hear you. I hear your voice. I see the way you've described yourself. I see how you've displayed yourself as waiting for us, loving us, uh, calling out to us, uh, reminding us of your love, your great love. Father God, let us respond this morning just to say to you, Lord, we thank you. And I'm willing, willing, Father God, to meet you and to go where you want me to go, to do what you want me to do. Lord, I give myself to you this morning. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Hallelujah.